The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today. As a church, what we love to do is, is walk through books of the Bible. We've been walking through the Gospel of Luke now for a couple years, and in it, we sometimes have an opportunity like we find ourselves in today, where we get to do a, a little mini-series within the Gospel of Luke. And so what we're doing today is we're starting a three-week series in the Gospel of Luke for the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 17. And we're entitling the series Bold, uh, because in this first 10 verses of Luke 17, Jesus has pulled his disciples aside, and he's teaching them. And it is rapid-fire communication. He is just hitting bullet point after bullet point after bullet point as quickly as possible. Hey, you need to know this. My time here on this earth is, is quickly, quickly coming to an end. I need to make sure you're ready to take over when I go back to heaven. And so in this, we see Jesus calling his 12, his disciples, the ones who he will hand the banner to, we see him calling them to a bold, a bold response to their sin, being bold to face the sin in their life. We see next week, when you, if, you, if you join us again, we see next week he's calling us to a bold faith. And then finally, to a bold duty, okay? We have a duty as Christians to live in a certain way, to be missional, and to make sure that the kingdom of God is advancing. We will see all of these in the first 10 verses, but for today, we will just stop at verse 4. So we don't have a whole lot to cover, but we are talking about sin. Everyone's favorite topic, right? You, you want to hear a good talk on sin, but I will just allow you a little bit of grace here. This is maybe looking at sin from a different perspective than you ever have. It's possible that what Jesus is teaching here is something you maybe haven't thought of. How are we bold to face sin? In Luke chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus says this to his disciples. Things that cause people to stumble. If you're a note taker, circle that entire phrase. Things that cause people to stumble. Do so because that's only one word in the Greek. And we'll come back to that. But things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. There are going to be things in this world, and Jesus knows this. We have a broken world where temptation is around every single corner. And the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that we're going to be tempted. There's going to be temptation that comes from the world, from our culture. That's going to happen. There's also temptation that comes from within ourselves, our own sinful desire. You you feel this. You know this. I, I don't want to do that, but boy, it just seems like I should right now. James is the one who really brings this to light, James 1, 13 and 14. He says, when you're tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me. God doesn't tempt us, okay? And, and you might think, oh, well, then it's Satan who's tempting, but, but I want you to keep reading. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires, and they're enticed. They're enticed by the sinful nature within them. That is what's tempting us. It's not God. It's not Satan. It's oftentimes ourselves. But in our passage in Luke today, Jesus is referring to a third way people can be tempted. People can be pulled into sin. And that third way is by others. But specifically, and this is the scary part, 
Specifically what Jesus is talking about is when we are enticed, drawn away, tempted by other Christians. When other Christians become a stumbling block for us. When other Christians cause us to sin. And that's the first group of people that Jesus wants to make sure his disciples never become. You do not want to become that person. Individually, when we feel the weight of what Jesus is teaching, it should cause us to reflect on our lives. A bold response to sin requires us to look at our life and go, do I? Do I cause others to stumble? In, in my freedom in Christ, do, do I sometimes take it too far? In, in how I instruct and lead others, am I grounded in the truth? Do I, do I cause others to stumble? That huge first phrase at the beginning, things that cause people to sin or stumble. It's one word in the Greek, but it simply means a stone of stumbling. Okay, It's an obstacle that trips people up. If you have been a person who walks at all in your life, you remember and you know this. You're walking along and there is a crack in the sidewalk or the road. It's just elevated this much and your left or your right toe catches it and then you're doing the windmill. You're doing everything you can to stop from planting face first on the sidewalk or the road. This little bitty crack, this little bitty stumbling stone causes you to look like a absolute moron as you're winding your way down the street trying to catch your balance. You didn't see it, you didn't expect it, but it about takes you out every single time. We live in a cul-de-sac and we do what's called a cul-de-sac walk. It's about 200 yards to walk around the cul-de-sac. Boys love to hop on their scooters. We've got one of those cracks just where the sidewalk has settled a little bit. The boys know to not take any wheeled instrument over that crack. They will pull off down the driveway right before this crack and, and drive on the bumpy road because they know that crack is a killer. And Jesus is saying to us, don't be that hidden, nasty crack that causes even the best of us to fall. Don't, don't be that. You can't be that. And in fact, he's going to warn against being that. Luke 17, 2 and 3, Jesus says, It'd be better for them, the stumbling stone, it'd be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. One of these young in the faith is what the little ones are, not children, one who's young in the faith. It'd be better to have a millstone. A millstone was roughly 10 feet wide. It weighed a good ton. It was propelled by donkeys who were tied to it, and it turned in a circle, and they put grain underneath it to thresh the grain. So could you have the picture now? A 10-foot wide stone that weighs a couple thousand pounds tied around their neck. It'd be better for a person to do that than to cause someone else who's younger in the faith to sin. Verse 3. So you've got to watch yourselves. You've got to watch yourselves. Jesus is saying with great clarity, do not be the stumbling stone. But it's easy to become spiritually prideful. It's easy to become the stumbling stone without even knowing it. Paul talks about it in Romans 14, verses 13 through 18. Paul says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, just make up your mind right now not to put any stumbling blocks or obstacles in the way of a brother or sister. 
Just make up your mind right now that you are not going to cause someone else to stumble. Verse 14, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But, but, if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If you have a younger Christian who says, I, I, know, it, I know for you you might be able to do this, but I just can't. I can't, I can't be a part of this. It's too tempting for me. Then for that person, it's off limits. And you should never be the person that goes, oh, no, 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 no. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's fine. It's fine. No, for that person, it's a no. And you should never be the one that comes along and says, oh, but you can. You can. Come on. Come on. Let me teach you how to better read the scriptures so you can understand your freedom in Christ a little bit more. And you know that you can, you, can, you can do this. Come on, you can do it. Don't be that person. Verse 15. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Now, in the first century, food sacrificed to idols was a huge deal. And it was cheap food. So for the Christians, who were most of the time poor, they had this conundrum. The Jews would not eat food sacrificed to idols. But you had some Christians that were eating food that had literally been placed on the altar, given to God, or even worse, a foreign God. But then you could go pick up that lamb for half price. And Paul's going, look, there's nothing wrong with that. You can eat that. You are free to do so. But there's people who struggle with it, thinking that what they're doing by eating that sacrificed food, what they're doing is sinful and wrong. And so you should never, ever make them feel bad for that stance. For them, it's wrong. And so for you, you encourage, you love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Don't, by your own spiritual pride and arrogance, destroy someone for whom Christ died. For, I'm sorry, verse 16, therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let's, let's bring this to modern day. You can watch something on television, Netflix, whatever. You can watch something, and you can do so without sinning. But that same program, that same show, it might cause me to sin. Don't cause me to sin by what you have the freedom to do and watch. You might be able to drink alcohol without sinning, but maybe for me, I can't. And so if I say, no, I can't, don't, don't try to push that and say, hey, it's, it's really okay. You, you can do this. Because maybe for me, I don't have the strength, I don't have the ability to do so in a righteous way. You can engage in a conversation without negatively affecting someone's faith. This is not just poor course talk. I'm even seeing, a lot of times, I've seen mature believers just destroy a younger believer's faith by trying to just look really smart and making them doubt and guess things, second-guess things. They're not ready to question and second-guess yet. You can have a conversation. It won't negatively affect your faith, but maybe it'll destroy mine. Don't be a stumbling block. This, this is an interesting one because I, I don't think it's sin, but I see this so often. Um, don't cause someone to stumble because you think you worship better than them. 
you worship in such a way that, that God's clearly honored and you're trying to show them a better way to worship because what they're doing is a lesser version. Don't, don't crush someone's faith. Don't cause them to stumble just because you think you've got it all figured out. We live in a world where views on marriage, sexuality, gender roles, they're all over the place and people will use the Bible to support completely polar opposite views of the same thing. When we have those conversations, do so by speaking truth in love. Don't lord over someone. Don't cause them to stumble or second guess. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 says this, then we will no longer be infants when we become mature. We won't be infants anymore tossed back and forth by the waves, but I want you to see that what Paul's saying is we all start that way. Early in our faith, we can be swayed in so many different directions. We can be blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I, I can twist the scriptures to make you believe what I want you to believe. Not that I can, but that's, that's the craftiness, that's the cunning, that's deceit that happens in the church all the time. Verse 15, instead we need to speak the truth in love. And by doing so, we will grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. What is the truth? It is the word of God as inspired by the Holy Spirit and penned by human authors for us to interpret according to their intended meaning. That is the truth. And that is the truth that we must speak, not our own interpretation of the truth, not our own spin on the truth to line up with the doctrine, the faith, and the freedom we think we have in Christ to do whatever we want to do. Paul is the one who talks so adamantly about his freedom in Christ that he can eat what he wants, he can drink what he wants, he can do what he wants, he can do all these things, yet he says, but they're not all beneficial. And so I will not use my freedom in Christ as an excuse to cause someone else to stumble, someone else to sin. I won't do that. So much so that the way he starts the majority of his letters, he wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Just, just go read the beginnings of some of the letters he wrote, but the NIV translates it servant. The word is actually doulos. The word is slave. Paul's freedom in Christ, he used to choose to make him a slave to Christ. He used his freedom to choose to be faithful and obedient and subject to the Lord. I, I think that's why God gives us this freedom to see what we'll do with it. Will you use it to become your own Lord and your own God or will you use it to subject yourself to him, to speak truth and love and to be a bold, bold testimony to how we are to respond to sin? There's a second aspect of sin, maybe even more difficult than the first, not to understand, but to apply. There's a second aspect of sin that Jesus wants to address in Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. He says, if your brother or sister, so in Christ, this is someone who's a Christian with you. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. We'll, we'll see what that means. Rebuke them. And if they repent, then forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times they come back to you saying, saying, I repent, you must forgive them. So you're sinned against by someone. We, we've all been hurt. We've all been sinned against. You know it doesn't feel good. What do we do? The first thing Jesus says to do is, is a bold response to sin is that we are to rebuke. The word rebuke 
It can mean a bunch of things. It, it can mean to tax with fault. It can mean to rate or chide. It can mean to rebuke, reprove, censor severely. But the most common use in the Bible is to admonish. And we don't use that word very often. So what Jesus is saying is you need to admonish that person who sinned against you. You need to warn or reprimand sharply. Here's all he's saying. Someone sins against you, you go, whoa, dude, not cool. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. You, you, you need to forgive. You need to keep the community. You need to love, but you do not have to just take it with silence. Hey, I did not appreciate that. And if they say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I repent. The word repent means to change one's mind for the better, to heartily, okay, with the heart, to amend the abhorrence of one's past sins. Say, I won't do that anymore. Please forgive me. Please let me turn away from that. That wasn't me. And then Jesus says, this is not easy. But notice in verse 4, he says, if they say I repent, you have to forgive them. He doesn't say judge their heart, because you can't. You're not the judge. If they ask for forgiveness, you forgive. Why? Why do you do that? Because that's the way God forgave you. This is so important to Jesus that he gives that ridiculous example. They sin against you the same day, seven times, and they come back seven times, and they say, I'm sorry, forgive me. You forgive them. You don't continue to judge them, you forgive, because that's how Jesus forgave you. Now, that's obviously ridiculous. After the second time in one day, we're going our separate ways. I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. But seven times in one day, the only, the only person I know that gets sinned against that often is God himself. Because there's probably seven times a day, seven days a week that I sin against him. And he says, I, I forgive you. If you repent, I forgive you. That's just the way he does it. Now, Not causing others to stumble. Forgiving those who sin against us if, if they ask you to. I think, that's, I think that's a big if. That's what Jesus says as a disciple is a bold response. A bold response to sin. We haven't even talked about our own sin. The sins you commit against others and, and against God. And it's not that that's unimportant, but in this particular passage, Jesus is, I think, just assuming that they all know already that those sins are forgiven and that when Jesus lays down his life on the cross here in just a few weeks, that those sins are going to be covered by his blood. His broken body will be the sacrifice necessary to atone for all those sins. I think he knows that. So he's saying, hey, as a disciple that lives a bold life, I, I need you to understand that your sin and your relationship with God is not the only way you need to look at this. You need to make sure you're not a stumbling block. You need to make sure that you are one who forgives just as God has forgiven others. Causing others to sin, this usually comes from spiritual pride, not ignorance. It's not an accident. It's because you think too highly of yourself. What you feel free to do may not compute with someone else. So I 
encourage you, church, don't use your freedom in Christ to cause a brother or sister to sin. Don't manipulate or use the Bible as a license to sin and encourage others to do the same. God is not a legalistic God. That's not how he wants to have a relationship with us, but he is a holy God, and he calls us to be holy just as he is holy. We talked about this last week, if you were with us, about how our love for Jesus is shown in our keeping of his commandments. It's not in us just banking on grace. It's in our faithful obedience to what he's called us to do. We need to stop being a stumbling stone for the weaker brother or sister. We need to repent and ask Jesus to help us, to help us stop using his word, his truth, his grace as a license to sin. And and if we can't, then Jesus has a prescription for you as well. He says, go jump in a lake. (laughs) Get out of here. The church does not need that type of stumbling stone just hanging out around it. Forgiving others may be the hardest thing for some, but today I would just encourage you to ask God to let you see those who have hurt you through his eyes. And for those who ask, find it in his love for you to be able to forgive. But there's maybe some of you listening today that you're the one who needs to ask for the forgiveness. You're the one who has sinned against someone else. You're the one who has hurt, and you need to go repent and it's, it's up to them whether or not they forgive you. But maybe today what you're feeling is that need, that need to make a relationship right, a relationship that you hurt, that you damaged by your actions. And there's something powerful, church, about saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. It goes a long way. It's a bold response to sin that Jesus is calling us to. It's not easy to be this bold, but it's what Jesus calls his disciples, and therefore, as his disciples, we are called to do the same thing. And so I conclude today with this simple prayer. Lord, help us. Lord, help us be bold in our response to sin. Because Jesus, you have done more than enough to pave the way to freedom from sin, that we should not be stuck in it. For sin does not lead to anything but death. But you, Jesus, you lead to life. So come help us. Help us be bold in our response to sin. Father, we need you and your son, Jesus, more than ever. We thank you for the gift of grace. We ask you to move mightily in and through our people as we boldly respond to sin because of who you are what you've done in your love for each of us. Strengthen our faith. Give us the courage to forgive those who have hurt us. Give us eyes to see if we are becoming stumbling blocks for those around us. And may, Jesus, we become that mature version of you as your Holy Spirit works in and through us to grow us into your image. We love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.